Today we head to Arizona and sit down with Missy Townsend of Prescott High School in Prescott, Arizona. Missy and I had the opportunity to speak on facility improvement plans at the National Conference in Denver this past year, and it won't take long for you to realize that Missy is an innovative leader who left us with so much great information throughout this conversation. Let's settle in and get to know Miss Missy Townsend. Missy, we're so glad to have you joining Don and I for this episode of Hanging with the AD. I think you may be our first guest from the state of Arizona. So thanks for taking time to join us today. Thanks, guys. Super excited to be here with you. And we had to make sure we did this at a certain time so we didn't have to wake you up too early out there uh, based on the time difference, I know. Um, I appreciate that. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Now, for our listeners, Missy Townsend is the athletic director at Prescott High School in Prescott, Arizona. It's not Prescott. So when you read it on the uh, on the screen, it's not Prescott. Prescott, it's Prescott. Uh, Missy's been at Prescott since 2007 and recently conducted a workshop at the National Conference in Denver, along with our co-host here, Don Baker. Uh, and their, their topic was facility improvement. Missy, uh, you did a great job not only talking about the facility improvements there at Prescott and the uh, the dynamic of working with your local community and school board and all that, but you also made Don look really good. So you made us look good in, in, in turn. We appreciate you carrying that workshop and, uh, you know, we really enjoyed it. So thanks a lot for uh, teaching us on facility improvement there, but I'll stop right there. I'll let you tell us a little bit more about yourself. We kind of call this part of the show, the back of the baseball card bio. So take a minute. If you don't mind, tell us what would be on the back of Missy Townsend's baseball card. Um, probably big first one would be mom. I'm the mom of six kids and my family is really important to me as it is to most of us. And so being an athletic director and a mom to a lot of kids and trying to make sure that that, that all goes, goes down smoothly, uh, requires some organization. So I'd probably say that's probably one of my, um, key skills that I, I work hard on. Um, I have been in education for a little over 20 years and uh, I coached girls basketball, girls volleyball. That was my sport back in high school. And in college, I played basketball for the University of Missouri in Kansas City. I was really blessed to be able to uh, then move straight into coaching right out of college. And I spent the next 16 years coaching um, before moving into athletic administration. Now, did you go to UMCKC? Yeah, UMKC. In Kangaroos. Yes, sir. One of my favorite mascots there. <laughs> now, Missy, Henry Ford is quoted as saying, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do, right? So having a vision is great, but you've got to take action steps to get things done. And I wanted to lead our conversation off with a story of yours where you had a need and a local business down the road also had a need. And you found a very creative way to meet both of those needs. Could you share that with us? Absolutely. So Prescott High School is a pretty old school. It's actually 118 years old, but 
this campus was built in 1966 that we currently sit on. And a lot of the athletic facilities had not been updated when I came in. Um, they were just very, very dated and very old. And um, my first year in, we actually had a meeting. It was it was actually during the summer, uh, right when I had just gotten hired. And uh, a company down the road called Maverick, um, they're very similar to, they're on a West Coast kind of, like a QT back in the Midwest in the East uh, or Circle K. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a convenience store and they wanted to build a convenience store just on the corner um, near my softball field. And uh, they wanted a meeting with my principal and and they asked me to be involved because I oversee some of the facilities. And so we sat down and they they discussed how they needed to get their liquor license. But in order to get their liquor license, the, the fencing for the school had to be a certain uh, number of feet away from the corner of their building. Um, and at first I was like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what are they asking? And to be honest, it was partially a little bit of like, just kind of like a joke, but at the same time, like, this is like a hope, but I didn't really expect them to come back as much as they did. But they said, well, we need the fence move 77 feet. And I said, well, I need a new scoreboard kind of jokingly a little bit brazenly. <laughs> and the, the two uh, people from the headquarters at Maverick looked at each other and said, well, that's interesting. I think we could help with that. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And, and we ended up getting a hundred thousand dollar state of the art video scoreboard. Maverick had the naming rights on the board for 10 years and um we moved if they moved to fence 77 feet i think that the reason i wanted you to share that story is because i think so many of us get paralyzed in a situation like that we don't want to ask a question that really is kind of a shoot for the moon kind of question but in reality businesses don't operate in our our hemisphere right like you know they don't they're in a lot of ways, not maybe as tight as with, with money the way that we are, because they're dealing with bigger budgets and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's great that you just kind of threw it out there uh, and they bit. So I think that that was, uh, I think that's a lesson for, for any athletic leader. I agree. I think that's a big component. I mean, I've got lots of experiences where if I wouldn't have asked or I wouldn't have said something, if I would have just kept thinking as an educator, it's really easy to get into that. Well, we can't afford this mentality or the district doesn't have the money. From my experience, it doesn't matter that you can't do it right in that moment. What matters is you're continuing to put the needs and kind of like the things that are, that are wants for your school and needs for your school always out in the front. Um, because like, like you mentioned, Don, you never know when that, that opportunity is going to arise. Don't, don't sit back just constantly saying, well, is me, I don't have the money like these big schools or, or I don't have these sponsors like these big schools, but rather be super creative and, and always be an advocate for what your needs are. Yeah. Missy, I, I was going to ask, I mean, it sounds like you were brand new you, you might not have had a lot of uh, uh, experience or thoughts so far with Prescott there. And you said you said it jokingly, but based on that response and how that worked out in your favor, what did that do to your preparation going forward to all the other meetings you you go to and have gone to? You know, that's an excellent point, Josh. I don't think I have made that connection, but it did really provide a lot of a boost of confidence for me it provided me with a little bit of insight into what I just kind of mentioned to how not to be afraid, but to like, cause it's not that you're being, um, 
you don't want to go in and say, well, it's this or that, you know, if you don't give me this, then I'm not going to be able to do this. Right. Right. It's, it's rather, it's just this constant, like, Hey, that's in the forefront. Cause if you're not putting it out there, then people either aren't, aren't aware or aren't thinking, well, how can we help? Cause it's amazing how many people really truly want to help. And um, whether that's sponsors or even within your own school district, if there's extra money through uh, a bond and override or, carry over money. If they're constantly hearing you talk about, well, these are some of the things and backing it up with, these are the reasons why we need it. Not just saying frivolous things, but, you know, safety and security and some of the different things that, that play a role in, in facility upgrades, it can make a massive difference. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I thought about your presentation a lot uh, uh, when I was sitting in the audience, obviously you were talking about, it. I thought I compared it to a project we did here at Pope and you just said it there. If you would have said, if you give me a school board, then I will move the fence. Probably not going to have the same result as you just saying, well, I need a new school board and they need the fence moved. Now we can work mutually together and be partners and not coworkers. Right. So that's, that's great. So uh, I want to change gears a little bit, but it kind of staying on how we change, how we do things. Recently, we were listening to a, an episode of a new podcast called Paradox. A couple of uh, ADs, one from Arkansas, one from Florida, uh, host that uh, Paradox podcast. Their guest was Dr. Lisa Langston, our past president within IAAA from Fort Worth. She was talking about how over time she has changed how she listens. Uh, great story. I love it. I'm going to try to implement the same strategy. She mentioned how she listens to parent concerns differently now than the strategy she used earlier in her career. I love her new strategy, as I said, I hope to apply it very, very soon. But with that being said, you've been at the same school for a long time. You have probably seen multiple family members come through your school, siblings and such, and you've had to, you know, you get to know them on a different uh, level. And I'm just curious have you had to alter how you listen over the course of your career? And maybe what advice would you give younger athletic directors about having possible, possible difficult conversations that they may have? Yeah, I think what you described there and what Dr. Langston says is, is change requires experience. And, and it also requires a willingness and openness to kind of receiving feedback and reflection, all of those things kind of mixed in. So if I was to say have I had that? Absolutely. It's the same as when I was a young coach. You know, when I started out coaching, I was a very different coach than how I was when I, my last year in the gym. And it's the same with parenting. You know, it's the same with all the things that we go through in life. Um, as we grow and as we develop and as we have experiences and as we have time to reflect on, on what we're doing and how we handle things, I think change is inevitable. You know, I had a conversation with a coach right before I came into this meeting and, and he gave me some feedback on something I had said to him that he took different than the way I had intended it, but it hurt him and how I had said it. And that was never my intention to do that. But I listened to how he said it and I realized how that could have come across um, as being something that that would have been hurtful to him, even though. I mean, it's very easy for us to go right into like, well, you don't understand the big picture or you're not looking at it from this like we have to as athletic directors or even you can even go smaller as coaches. But I can hear what he was saying and I did hear what he was saying. And, and I 
And I reflected on that later as I came in my office and thought, well, that's something I can do better. And I can communicate a little bit differently in this way. And, and I think if we're willing to, to take that reflection and take that feedback that we receive and, and to reflect back on the experiences, the hard conversations, as well as the easy conversations, I think it makes us a better athletic director. I think one of the things that kind of leads into my my next question, but one of the things that I hear you saying is that idea of listening for truth, because sometimes when you get something that may come across as criticism or it's a parent or maybe even a staff member, you know, that they're, they're coming in there with a complaint there. It's very easy, especially early on for you to really internalize that, to take that to heart. And you only hear that negative piece rather than really listening for the truth in it, that maybe there is something, maybe there is some, some piece in there that is on me that I can change or shift or adjust or whatever that may be. Speak to that for just a second, that idea of listening for truth. Yeah, that's huge. One of the books that I read in the last couple of years, um, Ego is the Enemy, uh, is a phenomenal book. And I think that really is probably where we get hung up a lot of times is that you taking everything kind of personally, making it about yourself. Listening for truth requires you to step back and not let the emotional components always take over. And that's harder. It's it's easier said than done, especially Absolutely. when you're, you know, and so please, if you're a new AD listening, you know, this is definitely uh, something that takes time. And, and like I said, the experiences that you're having now are going to make you a better AD as you continue to grow and as you continue to learn um, in your job. You don't have to have all the answers right now. And but that listening for truth is is big. And I, I I'm also a big you know, I like to put quotes out there and, and stick things as reminders for me, you know, right on my computer. And it's great, especially if you're going into a hard conversation where you're trying to be kind of impartial and not emotional and not make it personal. Um, having something to kind of look back at to me has helped me um, to do that. Okay. I want to hone in on what you just said. So you, you literally have things right there in front of you going into that conversation. Is that what you just said? Yes, I do. I literally put a sticky note. I put a sticky note with, with a thought, whether it's on my computer, whether it's on my desk, it kind of helps ground me and it keeps me from, you know, losing sight of what I'm trying to do. And if that's my purpose statement, or if it is a more specific one, uh, then it helps keep me focused. Oh, that's a great idea. So, so those notes, and I, I know those are specific, maybe the meeting you had or have those notes are, are, you said mission statement or specific to the conversation. Is that a combo? So you stay on track, but you also stay on mission. Yeah. Cause sometimes uh, the general ones for me are more of those mission ones that I keep up um, all the time, but then I keep ones that, are specific to certain meetings that I go into, especially if it's something I'm worried about. Um, if it's one that I know is going to be a little bit more, uh, there's a lot there, then I, I give myself specific things to kind of keep myself grounded. Whether it is to listen, um, whether it's to be brave enough to start those conversations, uh, whether it is, you know, a, a good one that I had heard not too long ago was to stand in the gap. A lot of times that's my job as an administrator is to stand in that gap, you know, to, to bridge those communications between uh, coaches and families or athletes and community or whatever that is. And, and if I can shoulder that, then 
I'm doing my job. That's good. Are you a sticky note person? I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I love clearing sticky notes as well. So as, as I said earlier, um, if I don't write it down or if I don't um, keep track of it in my calendar, there's too much going on. So. All right. And then just real quick. So those that will end up seeing this on YouTube. So this is on my desk, right? So it's a picture of a duck on the water and we've talked about it on here before. And it's my job to look like the duck on top of the water, not the craziness of the feet and the, and the, the insanity that is happening underneath the water. But that's my version. If I'm having a difficult phone call, I, I stare holes through that duck to make sure that I, I stay on an even kill because if I lose it, they're going to lose it and we're not going to get anything accomplished. So there there you go. I think the lesson with the sticky notes in the meeting is huge and having the two different dynamics, the mission versus the, uh, the, purpose of the meeting and combine those. Cause I've talked about having a mission statement and the value in that and to be able to write that down before a meeting and, and you probably do it often and be able to stare at it. That That's really, really cool. If I, you know, I, I'm not a young AD anymore and I wish I would have heard that a long, long time ago, but I needed to hear it today for sure. That's good. Now, Missy, you talked about standing in the gap and, and I want to use that to transition to our next uh, topic and it's title nine in athletics. We're celebrating 50 years. Um, you know, one thing Don and I have really noticed, and I, and I don't think it's breaking news to anybody in our industry, there are not a lot of female and minority underrepresented group uh, athletic leaders across our country. Our profession doesn't necessarily look like the student athletes we serve. And and that is unfortunate. And you mentioned standing in the gap. I think about you, you are standing in the gap for maybe a next generation of female athletic directors who can look at you as an example and a role model. Thinking about all that and thinking about the, the celebration of title nine 50th anniversary this year, how can we best address this gap per se? And secondly, who saw your potential as a as an athletic leader at a critical point and, and then gave you the opportunity to lead there at Prescott? You know, it's a great question. Um, I would say that one of the things that I've noticed over the last, you know, 20 plus years um, in education is, is that we are providing opportunities for for everyone. You know, 10 years ago, when I got my first master's in sports management, uh, you know, through Ohio University, it was one of the first programs in the country that was offering that master's level program. And now almost every university is offering, you know, some type of, of master's in athletic administration or sports management or something along those lines, not only in master's, but also bachelor's now. Um, I have a few members, uh, female athletes that have gone to Prescott in the last two, three, four years that are actually going to school right now for athletic administration and sports management. That's That was unheard of, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but now we have female athletes who are seeing that this is something that's available to them now that really kind of wasn't at the higher ed you know, level. Um, so I think that's one big component to it. I think there are a lot of really strong, powerful women that are involved in athletics um, in every state. And I love that a lot of our state associations this year on the 50th anniversary are recognizing them at our conferences and are talking about it throughout like each month, you know, with their newsletters and their social media posts. 
you know, we're seeing it every time we turn on March Madness, we're seeing those Title IX commercials and stuff. Um, I think that helps. It helps put it out there. Here in Prescott, you know, I have always felt very supported by my principals, um, as well as my superintendent, Joe Howard, who who was a coach. He was a high school wrestler. He was a high school coach. Um, and so he understands and values the importance of education based athletics. And so he um, wants to support that. He had a vision for that and he knows my passion for it and and gave me the opportunity to serve um, as the first female athletic director here at Prescott High School, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I take a lot of pride in that because there are there is so much tradition here in Prescott, you know, um, and to be able to be the first female athletic director after following some amazing um, men who were just phenomenal and led this program and had built that tradition for me to be able to continue that as a female and to show all of our female athletes that you can be a mom, you can be successful, you can still be the family, um, you know, and still provide attention to your children, still still work and 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 be a, a mentor to your athletes. Um, I think that's another area where sometimes there's some misnomers that you know, a woman can't do both of those things and do them well. But I feel like with the love and support of a great husband and children that you can do anything you want. Yeah. So, so one more piece of that. And that, that's awesome. I, I think being present is a huge part of this job. And it's uh, it, it, it no doubt is more difficult for a mom, especially a mom of six kids. Bless your heart. Um That uh, being present at a bunch of games is, is a lot tougher than it is for us most of the time. But how um, how is your life different because that person noticed and gave you a chance to do what you do? You know, it's kind of amazing. Um, that story literally changed my life. It changed the direction I was going. At the time I was asked to be athletic director here at Prescott, I had spent the six months previous working to get a coaching job at a college. I had been coaching at the high school level, had a lot of success and had what I felt was the complete resume to move on to the next level and start getting my foot in the door that way. And I was just running up against brick wall after brick wall. I could not get any traction at all. I was very confident that I knew I had the skills. I knew I had the experience. I knew I had the education. Um, I had that division one playing experience. I had high caliber coaching experience. I had the degrees to back it all up. And yet I couldn't find anyone. I must've sent out 60, you know, resumes, applications, trying to get contacts, trying to get in to doors and nothing. It was like crickets. And it was really taking a beating on me. Like I just thought, well, I guess I'll just stay in education. I'll be the, at the time I was the technology integration coach for our district. I, I figured I'll just stay doing that. And I, I love technology. I love education. I guess I'm not meant to coach. But I really do feel that the Lord has a hand in all of our lives and he knew what I needed. And at that moment, I didn't realize it until six months later when I was offered the job to be the athletic director. And when I first got asked, it was like something just clicked in my heart and in my head. And I knew, oh, my gosh, this is this is why I was running up against those hard things. And the path has just been something I've become more passionate about than I think I ever would have found if I would have continued coaching. Oh, that's so good. Now, 
I believe that the, the freedom to do your own thing ends when you have obligations and responsibilities, right? And you, you are well aware of that. When you start to have kids, you think that you have a plan, you don't have a plan anymore. And if you want to fail yourself, you can, uh, but you can't do that. And you can't go out on your own and do your own thing when you have responsibilities and team members. When you are looking to make a big decision, we, we just talked about big decisions. What does that process look like for you? Who do you consult? What resources do you use? Uh, how much of that process is done internally with just you having conversations with yourself, looking in the mirror, as opposed to those around you? So when you have to make a big decision, what does it look like for you? Well, probably the first one is I always go to my husband, Ben. He and I have been married for 26 years and we've done everything together. And he's always been extremely supportive. Matter of fact, when I was thinking of going and coaching in college and, and moving from Prescott, he was like, well, I'm an engineer. I can work from my computer from anywhere. He's like, I'll go wherever you need me to go. So he was always extremely helpful that way. And he's he he thinks differently than I do as an engineer. He is much more like analytical and, and fact-based and just very like detailed. Whereas I'm a little bit more emotional, a little bit more like on a different sphere. So we complement each other that way. The second thing I did, and I mentioned earlier, is, is my faith. I I am very prayerful about every decision I make, even decisions with hard conversations we were talking about earlier. I always go into those with a prayer and with just please help me to maintain my 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 sense. And so prayer is a big part of it. Um, but I also believe in, in action. I believe that if we want something to happen, we can't just hope and pray, but we need to act on it. And so if if I feel like there's an opportunity, I'm going to make sure that I have all of my the education I need. I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared for future opportunities. Um, I'm going to always constantly be looking for growth. I'm going to be looking for ways that I can better myself um, and learn because that's where I'm, that's what gives me, continues to give me the interest in in, in this, in, in education. Um, so definitely my husband, um, my faith and in prayer and, and then action, acting on those, those thoughts and the things that are opportunities available. Man, that's good stuff right there. I love that. That uh, kind of gives me chills thinking about just how your leadership style is there. I know uh, your coaches appreciate that uh, prayer for action and, and also having a different viewpoint. And I think it goes a long way when our spouses support us. I've talked a lot about it on here about my spouse and uh, she does the same thing. Gives a little diff different vantage point. But, uh, you know, I think it's important for athletic directors across the country to hear uh, about the male athletic director spouse there. Cause uh, once again, it goes back to our previous question. That's a, that's a different group of folks who don't, there's not a lot of population for it. Right. And your husband does something different than a lot of other uh, spouses. And uh, he's obviously making, uh, helping you uh, be successful. So that's really cool. He's a big part of everything that I do. I mean, as our, as we, as you've mentioned with your spouses, um, he was a collegiate athlete. He played soccer and, and he knows that, but I can also tell you, he graduated from Prescott high school. Oh, cool. And, oh, wow. but he is not interested in coming to the games. He's not interested in coming to the things like he comes with our kids, like to their games and stuff. But like, there's nights where I'll be working and I'll be like, Hey, you want to come and, you know, be here with me. So <laughs> we don't, aren't by that happens very rarely because he's just like, nah, I'm good. You know, 
I'll see you when you get home. But, um, you know, my kids will come and hang out here with me and and they'll want to be here because they enjoy that atmosphere and they enjoy being here. But uh, it's quite funny as our spouses, how many of them are involved or not involved in, in our jobs. Oh, they're all involved in some way or form or fashion. That's right. Whether they want to or not, you're that's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> the best ones have embraced it and they just make us look better. So that's good. So, all right, I'll throw another quote at you here. Uh, author Noel M. Tichi says, and the quote's a little long, so uh, bear with me if you don't mind. The ultimate test for a leader is not whether he or she makes smart decisions and takes decisive action, but whether he or she teaches others to be leaders and builds an organization that can sustain its success even when he or she's not around. Now, that requires not only the intent to develop leaders, but also the right people who are willing and able to grow and develop. So how do you assess your staff to see the potential some may have for possibly a different leadership opportunity down the road? And then how do you foster that growth in them? Yeah, one of the best things we can do as athletic directors is to never stunt the growth of anyone within our department. I mean, that's how we ended up where we are. I think it's important that we encourage our coaches as well as any of our staff to constantly trying to improve themselves. Um, and that happens through through shared leadership. Um, it, if we work hard to make sure that we're doing this together and that it's not doing it's not happening to them, that's a that's an important part. That's how you keep and maintain coaches. And then you you invest in it. You know, you provide the resources you you provide for your coaches to attend leadership and, and coaching clinics and workshops. You encourage it. You encourage them to receive their certifications. You encourage them and help them to do that. You know, I have probably one of the best. I will argue the best um, assistant uh, in in athletics. Um, she is just a tremendous. Uh, she coached three varsity sports for me. Um, now that she's moved into being my assistant, she not only coaches two, but she has been a huge reason why I'm able to do what I do. Um, surrounding ourselves with great people that support and live and understand your mission and your vision of what you're trying to do. Knowing that if I'm not in this in in my office, I know that Bobby can handle anything that comes up. Now she'll always come to me and ask if it's okay or something, but she can handle it. And I have a hundred percent, you know, uh, I believe in her. I know she can do that. And it's not just because she's capable, but it's because she has that same passion and drive for what it means to be a Prescott Badger. And she wants that success of our student athletes. Her heart is in the right place her, her time, all of those things. So I know that's kind of a a vague answer. There's a lot thrown in there, but um, I would say all of that's hugely important to this model of shared leadership. No, there's a ton there. I love the shared leadership. Uh, That that may be a question before long, Don, shared leadership. And then you said invest, provide, and encourage. I mean, those are three words that are huge in what we do. Um, And I, and I agree with you on the, uh, on the assistant. If you just change Bobby to Kim, I've got the same one, and uh, it, it, what what a value to have someone who we can leave and go get better at conferences or whatever, and they can run the athletic department, probably do it better than us. Uh, at least Kim does it for me. So I might have to disagree that I think I got the best, but 
uh, we won't have that argument here today. So that's uh, okay. Mine's better than both y'all. So yeah, don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. That's the way it should be. If that's you right. don't have somebody that you want to argue with as she's being, or he's being the best, then maybe there's something that you need to work on. Yeah. I feel so sorry for the folks in, in this business and this role that, do not have that assistant, uh, you know, and I'd love to try to help them get some way, whether it's a parent or someone in there, but having that assistant, if your principal or superintendent, whoever that is can make that happen, man, it's such a value. And I'm so blessed that Don is too. And, and so are you that our principals or leaders made that happen whenever they did for us. So that's great. So, all right, Missy, one last question before we get to our two minute drill. This is something we kind of discussed before we came on. You are CMAA certified. So just take a minute. Uh, it's always good to talk about the, the NIAAA certification process. Talk about going through that process, uh, what it did for you as an athletic director, and then why was it important to your school district for you to be nationally certified as they look to you as the athletic leader in your district? You know, for me, I, I, receiving my CMAA was almost more of an accomplishment than even getting my 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 master's. And I know that sounds silly because my master's cost a whole lot more money <laughs> and it took, you know, uh, but it was, it was four and a half years, I think, in the making for me to get my CMA. So time-wise it was, it was just as long, it was longer than getting my master's. But um, I think it was because like I've mentioned several times, I'm a passionate learner and I always am looking to learn and to grow. And the courses that are provided through the NIAAA are, are phenomenal. And I always tell new ADs, it's one of the best things you can do. If you want to find um, success, if you want to find happiness, if you want to find a purpose in athletic administration, then, then you should be looking to take these courses. Getting it was great because it, I mean, this is probably where my ego comes in a little bit. It was kind of nice. I felt like finally I had a certification that was specific to being an athletic director mm. and something that very few people had. And I knew what I was learning. I knew what the exam was like. I knew what my my project was like. The amount of time, effort, energy um, that went into it was the equivalent of, of what I did. Um, and my district recognized it. Um as being something that set me apart from other athletic directors in our county. Um, I was the first one in our county to receive the CMAA. And so it was like my district used it as a, a tool to kind of advertise. Here's another reason why Prescott Unified School District is, is awesome. Um, and so in the egos, you know, prideful side of things, it was a little bit about, about that. But I felt good about myself. I felt empowered. I felt like I had something that I had worked towards and, and that was, that's a really cool part of it. Yeah. I share that. It, the idea of Richard Barton has said it on here before knowledge equals confidence. Uh, and it's this idea of, you know, I may not necessarily know every single answer when it comes to athletics, but the fact that I've got the highest certification I have tells me that when I look in the mirror, I ought to be able to be to handle whatever comes in front of me. You know, I ought to be able to, there, there really shouldn't be anything too big in this space for me because of this. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to have the immediate answer. It doesn't always mean that I'm going to get the right answer, but it means that I have the confidence to be able to tackle it. And I think that that's huge. 
Well, and I love that there's so many courses that continue just because I got my CMAA doesn't mean that I'm done learning. I mean, right. I'm attending that national conference and state conferences for our association and I'm continuing to take courses. I'm not just, I, I'm teaching them, but I'm also taking them because I think that that continues. But the other great part about it is it provides us with resources. Not only do we have the text and all the resources that come with each of the courses, but we have the people, you know, we have this, this shared network of amazing athletic directors, like me getting to work with the two of you that only happened through the NIAAA. And that was something that um, I'm super grateful for. And all the committees that we get to work on, put yourself out there, get involved with the NIAAA, get involved with the state association um, and work towards getting your certification. Wow. I, I imagine, and I may be wrong here, but I imagine most listeners didn't know Missy Townsend. They didn't know Prescott High School or Prescott, Arizona, uh, before they started listening to this episode. And I imagine most people are going to hit a replay. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes and I've got hear what your people say back to you. Shared leadership, uh, having some organization through sticky notes, having a mission. You felt empowered after getting your uh, certification and the importance of that NIAAA certification. So, so much here for all our listeners, especially uh, young listener, young athletic directors who may be listening. Man, I, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to join us today and share with us all this good stuff. And now we're going to take a little more time and get to know you a little bit better. Don's going to start our two-minute drill. I, I imagine he's got you prepped for this. Okay, Missy. So we're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. We want you just to tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to, I'm going to call an audible here in a two minute drill. This is something we've never done before. So first time doing this, we're going to switch it up just a little bit. Our first few questions, we're going to play a game of over under. So these are things that in your opinion, they are either overrated or they are underrated. So you just say over and under. And if you want to tell us why you feel that way, by all means, you can do that. Okay. All right. Grilled cheese. Underrated. Goats. Overrated. <laughs> Bagels. Underrated. With bacon. <laughs> Ikea. Overrated. Get lost in that store. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. All right. One last for our starter of over under. Selfies. Overrated. Hands down. Easiest one to answer. <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. That was better than I expected. Don, Don, that was cool. And you did great. Uh, all right. Now for uh, some more regular, normal two-minute drill questions. What was your first job ever? Oh, my goodness. I was worked uh, as I was 15 and I worked for a furniture company. Um, I just worked in the office and I stocked and I helped and um, earned a little money in the summer. All right. Now, one of the things that Josh and I have been doing in season three is asking uh, our guests this question. So we get on a plane here in Atlanta. Uh, we fly out to see you in Arizona. We're coming over to your house. What are we having for dinner? What is the go-to dish? That's hands down, no problem. It's a brisket, mashed potatoes, and homemade rolls or muffins. How much my, is a plane ticket? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my That's goodness. No Sunday dinner at the Townsend's is a big deal, and you'd get Sunday dinner. Hey, we got spring break next week. I might be there Sunday. <laughs> All right. Uh, we just talked about your CMAA, and you did a great job not answering this question. And I'm so happy because I thought I was going to kick it out. What did you do for your CMAA project? 
That's funny because I just finished my um, the facilities improvement. So it was on facilities improvement. I think that's why they chose me to speak when I volunteered to speak at the conference. That was what my project had been on. So that's understandable. Good deal. Now, we typically try to look at famous names that come from the places of the people that we are interviewing. Okay. And I don't know if you were aware of this, but Big Nose Kate, uh, the Wild West companion of Doc Holliday, is from Prescott. So uh, who is the most famous person that you have ever met or interacted with? Oh, dear. That I've ever met or interacted with. Um, I can't say that someone's coming to my mind right now. I'll tell you, I got scared to death by James Gandolfini one time in a fudge shop uh, at the beach. I was leaning in, looking at it. All of a sudden, I felt this presence next to me, and I hear this, hey, what's good? And I turned around, and I'm looking at Tony Soprano, and I panicked, and my wife had to, like, step in and save me because I thought if I gave the wrong answer, I was going to end up in the bay, you know? So it was it was, it was, was a big deal. I was terrified, I'll be honest with you. You know, I'll say one. It, I'll say Mike Panaleone. And you guys probably don't know who he is, but he is one of those people who um, he was the winningest soccer coach in in history for all levels. And he coached Yavapai College soccer team here in Prescott for the last 30 years. Um, he's one of those ones that most people should get to know. And they're losing out by not knowing that man. He was a very powerful, amazing coach. Um, great member of our community but he's somebody that i'm really proud to know and i would say is is probably a famous guy or should be if he's not sure that's really cool oh, yeah it's worth noting doc holiday don says it's from valdosta so you guys are connected in in more ways than just a national conference presentation. very true true story and i knew i knew her because uh yeah history teacher so and she she's a big 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 part of uh prescott history here what is the best or worst, your pick, best or worst purchase you've ever made? <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both best and worst. So um, I bought my truck. I, I surprised my husband and bought him a brand new Toyota Tundra in 2012 when they came out with the Tundra, the newer body style. Yep. And I surprised him. I didn't tell him I bought it for him and I brought it home. And he wanted to divorce me. He's like, how, well, not really, but he was like, what are you thinking? Why would you ever go and buy this without talking to me and without doing this? He had an old 1993 Nissan pickup truck manual, windows had to roll down, you know, steering wheel did not have power steering. And I just remembered wanting to do something for him because he had always just never had anything. He would never do it himself. Uh, but definitely uh, best because I wanted him to have it and he deserved the best. Um, worse because he was not happy with me, but I did it without talking to him first. And That's to this good. day, when I have to pay the registration on it, he's like, it's in your name. You got to pay it. You're up. <laughs> we have a shared account. It's not like there's anything, but it's always like, it's in your name, not my name. But, but That's funny. Now, if time was not an issue, you had forever to master a skill. What skill would you like to master? Ooh, patience. <laughs> I know it's probably not what you're thinking of as far as a skill, but uh, definitely I'd love to be better, more patient. And I feel like I've grown, but I'd really like to master patience. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that'd be great for all of us. 
All right, let's finish with this today. Missy Towson, you've been hanging with the ADs, but if you could hang out with anyone, who would that be and why? My family. <clears throat> it's always about them. I There's no greater joy than being with them and, and all of them together. Missy, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great seeing you again uh, since our presentation in Denver. You did not disappoint. Uh, you made our listeners and us better in the process, and we're very grateful. Uh, so thanks for the time. Thank you, guys. This has been fun. Well, how about that conversation for a huge growth opportunity? I don't know about you, but I probably want to hit uh, the backspace, the replay, rewind, and as we used to say in the old days, and listen to that episode with Missy Townsend again. I, I tell you what, those three fundamentals she talked about uh, of having a spouse who supports you, having faith, a prayerful faith, and taking action. Those fundamentals of being an athletic administrator really hit me as uh, being three core principles that we all could use to help us be successful in this uh, business that we're in. But then she talked about shared leadership, something I'd never really heard before about how to make not just us look good, not just make our departments great, but how to promote the growth of others in our athletic department. Shared leadership, what a challenge to us. And then she said to invest, to provide, and to encourage our assistants, our coaches, our athletes, and people in our community. Man, those are three great words. Invest, provide, encourage uh, there. I knew this was going to be a great episode when she told us that she went to UMKC and that she's a kangaroo. What a great mascot uh, and a unique mascot there. But all kidding aside, we appreciate Missy Townsend from Prescott High School in Prescott, Arizona, joining us today. Her and Don got to know each other through the National Conference when they presented on facility improvement plans. Uh, she has a wealth of knowledge in that area. If you're looking to make some improvements and work with local communities, I would reach out to Missy. She can provide you some great strategies there. But but what I liked probably the most was how she talked about everything has to stay on vision and how she uses sticky notes to remind herself of what her mission is, whether she's having good conversations, uh, bad conversations, whether it's the day-to-day grind of what we do, just making sure we remember the mission of what we do. Missy Townsend, thanks for being with us today. What a great conversation this was. And I hope that many of you will listen to it again and get some of the great nuggets that we we pulled out of this awesome conversation. And always, we would ask that you would stop, maybe pause, rate, review our podcast so others can hear it, so we can see your thoughts and your feelings about what we're doing. And as always, Thank you for spending your time hanging with the ADs.